Welcome to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. I'm your host, Shannon Felt, teacher trainer, resource provider, and course creator for teachers around the world. In each episode, I'll share concrete strategies to help you sharpen your skills and become the very best teacher you can be. We're talking all things ELT, the most effective classroom practices, communicative methodology, and valuable tips for planning and teaching so you can help your students see real improvement in their language abilities. We'll also hear from language teachers and ELT professionals all over the globe who are making inspiring moves in our industry. So thanks for joining me. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. It has been a while. It's great to be back. I do feel a little bit rusty, so bear with me, but very happy to be back and recording new episodes again. I looked back and I realized that it's been just about a year, really, since the last podcast episode came out. So thank you for your patience, for bearing with me, and allowing me that time to uh, take a break from the podcast for the past year and really put a lot of time and energy into getting the online English teacher program up and running, um, which is super exciting. So the online English teacher course, which is really like my pilot teacher training and certification program, has been running for just about a year now. It was a year ago that the first course um, didn't launch exactly. It launched in January, but that I was marketing and first enrolling, I guess you could say, the, the teachers for that very first session of the live practicum. So super exciting. Uh, thank you for, for bearing with me, and I'm excited that we're back with a new batch of podcast episodes. I have some great information for you and some really fun interviews coming up as well, so definitely stay tuned. All right, so let's dive into this first episode of this new season, I guess you could say, of the podcast. So I've been teaching, I've been fully online basically for two years now. And as I said, I've been doing the online English teacher course, working very closely with teachers in training for a year. So I've seen a lot of online lessons, um, answered a lot of questions about online teaching, done a lot of online teaching and training. And I've noticed some recurring sort of troubleshooting issues that have come up repeatedly. So issues that teachers have had, issues that I've had, questions that teachers have asked me for guidance on. So in this episode, I want to talk about some basically problems that can come up when you're teaching English online and some suggestions for how you might deal with them. All right, so let's dive into problem number one. This is kind of a common one, and I think especially online, it can be a little bit awkward to deal with. So first problem is your students are arriving late or your students are filtering in randomly after the lesson has started. So my first piece of advice for this one, avoid the temptation to wait to start until everybody's there. So this is the first instinct I see that a lot of teachers have is they want to say, okay, not everybody's here yet, so let's wait just a few more minutes and then we'll start the class once more people arrive. The problem with this is that it sort of creates a slippery slope, right? Like what that shows students is that they don't actually need to be on time because if they're not on time, you're going to wait for them to arrive and so they're not actually going to miss anything. So I think there's sort of a benefit there. There's a kind of passive aggressive (laughs) motivation that we're giving to our students by starting the class on time as planned, and then it's kind of their fault. If they arrive late, they have to scramble to catch up, and so next time, hopefully, they're more motivated to do whatever they need to do to get to class on time. 
Um, I think when you're teaching adult students in particular, you know, you really can't blame them for being late sometimes. We've had students who are balancing working full time and raising a family who have lots of other things going on in their lives and are still really, really trying to make it to English class because they're that motivated. And so, yeah, if they're 10 or 15 minutes late, it happens. They understand that that that's what's happening and that they're going to have to catch up. So we don't need to be upset. We don't need to be angry with them. We don't need to take it personally. But we also don't need to put the whole class on hold until they arrive. We can start on time. And then the question becomes, okay, so when the student arrives late, the class has already started. How do we integrate them into the class? So a couple of suggestions. The first thing you can do, if for whatever reason, you seem to have a lot of students coming in late and it can be very unpredictable when exactly your students will arrive or how many students you'll have when you first start your lesson, and you don't want to get into the meteor material because you're worried that a lot of students are going to miss important things, something you might consider is having like a warm-up activity even before your official lead-in that you can have students do in pairs or small groups and that's something that students can do sort of independently that's really easy to integrate latecomers into and that's really easy to manage in terms of timing, right? Something that you could do for two minutes or 10 minutes depending on what's needed. So something that I really like to do is, um, for example, give the students a few easy general discussion questions that are maybe vaguely related to the topic of that day's lesson, but aren't quite as concrete or specific as whatever you're going to do for your official lead-in. Another thing you could do is play a review game, for example, with vocabulary words. Um, I have put vocabulary words on a slide, review words, not new words, that the students then take a screenshot of, they go into um, pairs or groups in breakout rooms, and the game is they take turns choosing a word, not telling their partner which word they chose, describing the word, and the partner has to guess. So that way, the students who are there can get started on that in breakout rooms. And as new students come in, I can just basically like shuttle them into a room. Uh, the students already in the room can catch them up very quickly. So I don't even need to spend the, the effort to do that. It's very student-centered. Um, and that game can last really as short or as long as I need it to. And then I can just wrap it up as soon as I'm ready to start the actual lesson. Um, a tip here, an extra tip, is to create a few extra breakout rooms. Because the thing is, let's say you only have four students there at the beginning of class, so you create two breakout rooms with two students in each room. But you actually have a lot more students filtering in latecomers, right, coming in once the game has started, and pretty soon you're just putting them into those same two rooms and you've got like five students in each room, which is a bigger group than you wanted. What you can do is even with only four students, you can create four or five breakout rooms if you know you have a lot of students coming. Still put those four students just in the first two rooms, but then you've got extra empty rooms so that when a couple of new students come, you can add them to an empty room and keep smaller groups, if that makes sense. Uh, or add them to an existing room and then at some point, break a few students off into a new room if the groups start getting too big. So that's a weird little strategy that I like to use, but it keeps my breakout rooms managed in terms of having the number of students in there that's more ideal. Um, as I mentioned, another great tip is that you don't need to feel like you have to stop 
and explain everything to late students. So if you are doing something as a whole class, like maybe you're giving instructions, um, maybe you're in the middle of a reading exercise when a student comes in late, don't feel the need to interrupt your entire lesson and catch the latecomer up on everything that they've missed. That's kind of their problem at that point, like not to seem cold, but I think the student, you can expect the student to understand, like they know the deal. They know that they're coming into a group class late. They can expect that they're gonna have missed some stuff and that's fine. It's not your responsibility or the responsibility of the rest of the class to put everything on pause to catch up that one student. So a couple options. If the students are already in breakout rooms, you can give the students the responsibility to catch up the latecomer. Just send the latecomer into a breakout room with the expectation that the other students will let that person know what they're doing. Uh, you could pop into the breakout room if you're not sure if that's going to happen and just gently ask the students, you know, hi, so-and-so just arrived. Uh, can you let her know what the activity is? Um, or can you help her get involved in the activity? You could also, if it is a full class kind of point in the lesson, like you're in the middle of a reading exercise or a listening exercise or giving instructions, um, if it's something that's not going to be a blatant interruption, like interrupting the audio that's playing, um, you could quickly greet this the student who just came in, you know, hi, Carlos. And then if needed, you could say, I'll tell you what we're doing in just a minute when you have a better time. Maybe send all the other students to the breakout rooms at a certain point and then catch the latecomer up quickly or send them into a breakout room with the expectation that the other students will get that person caught up. Um, so those are my suggestions for dealing with late arrivals. If you have a student, this hasn't come up too much, but I did have a couple of teachers um, ask, well, what if there's a student who really sort of likes to make an entrance, right? Like they come in late and they're just sort of talking, asking lots of questions, taking over the class. Well, you're in charge. You're the teacher. So you get to decide what your policy is on things like that. And you have permission, right? It's okay for you to ask the student politely not to do that. So you could, um, you know, if the student starts to ask a lot of questions, you could say, hi, you know, thank you for joining the class. We're doing XYZ right now. I'll give you more information in a few minutes. So set your expectations clearly. That's It's okay to do that. All right, problem number two that often comes up, tech issues. So what if students are having tech problems? Like for example, um, you're using a Google Doc for an activity and some of the students can't access it or they're saying that the Google Doc doesn't work. Well, first of all, make sure it's not an issue on your end. Make sure the share settings are turned to public so that anybody who has the link can view or edit if you want the students to actually be able to type into it. So that could be the first thing you always want to check and make sure that it's not an issue on your end. However, even if you've done everything right, you still might run into problems where students can't open the Google Doc for whatever reason. So my suggestion would be to always have a low tech option, like a low tech, I call it low tech, something that doesn't require going to another app or clicking on a link or opening another document, something like that. A low tech backup plan that you can use instead. For example, maybe the activity is an information gap activity 
and it involves you know student a clicking on a link that shows one picture student b clicking on a different link to another picture in a different google doc and then they have to spot the difference between the two pictures well maybe one of the student b's can't open their link and so they can't see the picture what you'll want to do is in your planning prepare so that you have each picture on a separate slide so that you have something that you can screen share and quickly tell that student here's your picture please take a screenshot and then they have it. A lot of this stuff you don't have to overthink, right? So the follow-up question I usually get to that is, well, what about the other students? Aren't they all going to see the picture that they're not supposed to see and then it ruins the activity? Well, not if you tell them to close their eyes, right? You could just say, okay, if you're student A, close your eyes. If you're student B, look at this picture, take a screenshot. That's your picture. Okay, now you don't need the Google Doc. And of course, there's some of the honor system that goes into this. Can you control whether or not the other students are gonna cheat and open their eyes? No, you can't, but it's it's not that big of a deal. It's a quick solution um, to a problem that otherwise would be an issue. Um, you could also have a system, depending on how big your class is and how easy this is for you to set up, um, have students email addresses. I, when I would teach group classes, I would put my students together in a WhatsApp group so that I could send materials through the WhatsApp group just in case as a backup. Things like that can work as well. All right, next problem. What if it's a tech issue with the students on Zoom? Um, if you haven't taught online very much. You might not have experienced this, but if you've been doing a lot of online teaching already, I'm sure you've had this issue before where certain students just don't have a great connection for whatever reason. And so they're constantly dropping out of the meeting, coming back in the meeting. Other students are dropping out of the meeting, losing their connection. Um, it happens. So first thing I'll say to that is obviously try to assist the student who's having the issue the best you can in the moment. But obviously, you can only fix the issue or you can only assist up to a point. Like if the student is having trouble turning on their mic or turning on their camera, you can give them advice as best you can from where you are. But at a certain point, it just comes down to if the student can't use their own tech, like there isn't, you can't climb to the screen and, and help them, right? There's only so much you can do. If a student is taking online classes, they're responsible up to some point um, to being able to use the technology for learning. So assist as best you can, but at some point you're just going to have to let it go um, and they're going to have to figure it out on their end. If it's something that you can fix, but not necessarily something that you can help with in front of the whole class in the moment, you could always ask the student to stay after class or ask the student to sign on to a separate meeting with just you so that you could walk the student through the issue, um, like maybe how to use certain features on Zoom. You could also make a video walking through essential tech procedures that students could watch maybe even before they even start the course with you. So you could go into an empty Zoom meeting and show students certain things, like record yourself in an empty meeting showing certain things like where the mute button is, where the camera button is, um, how they access the chat, how they annotate the screen, anything that you feel like they need to know. You could actually make a video that they could watch asynchronously, asynchronously, ooh, there we go, uh, that you could send to all of your students before they even join your course to give them some kind of pre-class tech training. Um, finally, if this is an issue that's coming up 
that's messing up your breakout rooms numbers. So maybe you have, you know, a lot of breakout rooms activities, you're putting students in pairs, but if many of the students are having connection issues and starting to drop out of the meeting, you're probably finding that you get a lot of students who are suddenly left alone in the breakout rooms, right? I know this happens a lot um, to teachers in online English teacher at times who who haven't quite gotten the hang of this yet. So what I tell them and what I'll tell you now, a really easy trick is in that case to put students in groups of three. It shouldn't take you too long to figure out which students are the ones who are having the connection issues and who are sort of unreliable in terms of maybe randomly having to drop out of the meeting. Or like we have students on the um, teaching practicum, the English students who are you know, working while they're taking classes. And so sometimes they have to take phone calls or sometimes they drop out of the meeting or they're on mute and kind of disappear for a minute. So it's pretty easy to figure out who those students are once it starts happening. So make sure those students are just always in a group of three so that if they do drop out, they're still a pair together in the breakout room. Um, And that's a super easy fix for that issue. All right. Another problem that sometimes comes up that I get a lot of questions about is what if the students aren't really engaging in the online lesson? So for example, what if a lot of students have their cameras turned off or they're not really talking in the breakout rooms or they just don't seem that motivated to sort of be active and engaged in the class? Uh, Thankfully, this doesn't happen much in online English teacher, but I've heard of it happening for, for other teachers who have less motivated students. So my advice here is to be direct and be curious about what's going on. Sometimes things like the students not turning on their cameras, sometimes things like that are happening simply because you haven't stated your expectation clearly enough. So be direct. Ask them to turn on their cameras. You can call them out by name. You know, so-and-so, can you please turn on your camera so we can see you and say hello? You can be nice about it. You don't have to be, you know, super authoritarian or aggressive about it. You can be polite, but you can also be direct in what you expect from the students. This is your class. This is your classroom. You get to make the rules. If the students are still reluctant to turn on their cameras, try to understand the reason. So there could be a valid reason. Maybe their camera is broken. Maybe they don't have a camera. Um, Maybe they're in a situation where they're at work or they have a family and it's uncomfortable to have a lot of people in the background. And so it's not something that they can really do. Maybe there are cultural Issues like, um, for example, I taught some classes in Saudi Arabia and in a mixed gender class, some of the students weren't really comfortable being on camera. So there could be a lot of different reasons. Once you have a sense of what the reason is, it's easier to be understanding. I have taught classes before to five, six, ten students where none of them were on camera and it was fine. It was a little bit awkward. I felt a little bit like I was speaking into the void. But the students had good reasons for not wanting to have their camera on, and I felt like I needed to be understanding of that. And so instead of feeling like, how can I do this? It's weird. I just dealt with it, and it was fine, actually. I got really good at recognizing everybody's voice, and we made it work. So it's not the end of the world if the students don't want to turn their cameras on. That being said, I do feel that online lessons with cameras, where you can see everybody's faces, are obviously preferable. So if there isn't a good reason... Um, I would suggest stating a clear policy that you want the students to have their cameras on. And if this continues to be an issue, um, you can go a couple different directions. So first of all, if you're working for a language school or an organization, 
find out if there is a clear policy. What's the onboarding um, process for the students? Are they told that they should have a camera and that they should have their cameras on during the lesson? Because that's an expectation that can be set when the student enrolls. And if you're freelancing, and so this, these are just your students coming to you, not through an outside organization, again, you're the boss, you get to make the policy. So that's something that you can add to your onboarding that when a student signs up for lessons with you, there's a clear expectation set from the beginning that you would like them to have a working camera and you would like them to have it on during the class. So it might be a problem that you can um, stop from happening that way. If it's not just the cameras, but maybe the students are just not super motivated, not talking a lot during class, and you want to sort of bring the energy level up, my number one suggestion would be you probably need to put the students in breakout rooms more. Some teachers are reluctant to do this. I know the breakout rooms can feel a bit clunky. I know they take some practice. I know they eat up a little bit of extra time moving students in and out of the rooms, but they really are helpful in increasing student connection and the energy level in the class. It's uncomfortable sometimes for students to share answers in front of all 10 or 15 people in the group. It's much more comfortable for them to connect one-on-one with you know, one or two other students. So if you're having sort of motivation or low student talk time issues in your classroom, the first question you should ask yourself is how much are you using breakout rooms? And if the answer is not very much, increase it. And that should help a lot. You'll notice differences in, for example, even in the lead-in. I've seen lessons where the teacher asks the whole class a question, even like an interesting personal question, like, where's the last place you've traveled? Tell us about your last vacation and nobody says anything. Why? Everybody has, you know, in that group at least, we know that everybody's taken a vacation at some point. Um, It's an interesting question. It's fun to talk about. The reason is usually because students are just a little bit hesitant. It's the very beginning of class. They haven't really had a chance to warm up their English skills yet. Nobody wants to be that one person that's gonna speak first and kind of dominate the class. By putting the students in breakout rooms to discuss that question, it's super easy. It's much more comfortable for them to talk just to one or two other people. And then when you bring everybody back together, you're going to get much better engagement because now they've sort of woken up, right? They've warmed up. They've been laughing with their partner about the funny story that they just found out about their partner's last vacation. So when students come back, you'll see people... um, or you'll get people saying things like, oh, my partner has such a good story, you know, like so-and-so, share what you told me. And it's a lot easier for them to kind of open up and start talking. If you are putting students in breakout rooms and they're still not really talking in the breakout rooms, then ask yourself a couple more questions. Uh, first of all, have you made it clear what you expect the students to do? So have you explicitly told them when you go to the breakout rooms, you need to talk to each other. I know that sounds super obvious, but if the students haven't used Zoom a whole bunch, or if culturally they're not used to pair and group activities, in person that can already be a bit weird, but especially online when they don't see the other pairs around them talking, right? They don't sort of have that example that they can look around and see. They're just suddenly in an isolated breakout room together. Um, it can be a little bit weird. So make sure you've been clear again on what your expectations are 
You can even make it into an ICQ and have some fun with it. So when you go to the breakout room, should you talk to your partner or should you be quiet, (laughs) right? Like, and it's going to be a bit silly, but you can have some fun with it and make sure you have set your expectation very clearly that you want the students to talk to each other. And next question to ask yourself, whatever activity you've given the students to do in breakout rooms, does it have a clear communicative goal? So I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and in webinars. Let's think about two different versions of an activity. So if you have, let's say, discussion questions, um, let's stick to our theme of traveling. Maybe you have discussion questions about traveling. Um, Do you like to travel? Where do you like to travel? What activities do you like to do when you travel? Um, Who do you usually travel with? Something like that. So those are just discussion questions. I think they're pretty interesting questions, personally. But if you think about it, the students could just go through and answer all those questions very quickly if they don't really feel like talking, right? Do you like to travel? Yes. Where do you like to travel? The beach, warm places. What do you like to do when you travel? Go to the beach, shop. Who do you like to travel with? My friends, done, right? So it's easy for unmotivated students to shut that down pretty quickly, even though they've technically done the activity. It didn't really have the fun, interactive, communicative result that you wanted it to in planning those discussion questions. So what you can do instead is just tweak that a little bit, give the students even the same discussion questions, but tell them, ask and answer these questions with your partner, and you need to find three things that you have in common three things that you have that's the same for both of you. Okay, now there's this additional goal. It's not just as soon as you've answered the questions, you're done, but it's, okay, we can't stop talking to each other until we find our three things. And especially if you take it a step further and make it clear that the students will need to report those three things about their partner when they come back, now there's this additional motivation that they can't stop talking, they can't sort of shut down the activity until they've achieved that goal of finding those three things. And they know that they'll be accountable for reporting those three things when they come back. So that's sort of the final piece of motivation to keep talking. So just adding some sort of communicative goal, some sort of outside goal that the students have to achieve with the activity helps push them to keep talking. So make sure this is something manageable, right? It shouldn't be 20 things in common. You don't have that much time. Make it something concrete but make it something manageable for the time that the students have. Um, for example, I saw a, um, a really cool lesson. A teacher did a speaking lesson where the students had to choose items from a list that they would take to a desert island, like if they were stranded, and they had to rank them in order of importance. And she actually created a task. She had like a Google Doc chart where they had to write down item number one, most important, right, item number two, item number three, down to number five or however many they could choose. And they actually had to work together. And so there was this very concrete result of their conversation. By the end of their debate, their negotiation of which items to take, they had to have this list written on the Google Doc. So it really motivated the students to speak. They were asking each other follow-up questions. They were negotiating, you know, okay, who's going to type into the doc? Okay, Rodrigo, Good. So what are we taking? Wait, what was number two? Sarah, what did you say? And they were really figuring out how they were going to make this list. 
So by having this very manageable and very concrete goal with an actual visible result for the activity um, was incredibly motivating for the students. Um, finally, if you're still having issues getting the students to communicate with you or with each other in class, take a quick look at what you're doing communication-wise. Sometimes it's just a clarity issue. Um, it's tempting to think that everything is a reluctance issue because I'm guilty of this too. I think when we're in front of a class, whether it's in person or especially virtually when that screen is kind of a, a barrier sometimes to human connection, it's really easy to, to get a bit anxious and to sort of panic a little bit. We think, you know, oh my gosh, I just asked the students a question. I've asked them a, a CCQ, like a concept checking question, and nobody answered. They're all just sitting there silently. I guess that means they don't want to answer or they hate me or they don't understand anything, right? We can get really in our heads about it very quickly. But sometimes, honestly, it's just that the students didn't understand what you want them to do. So take a step back, make sure that you've asked the question, first of all, as clearly and directly as possible. Or if the students aren't doing the activity the way you want them to, or they're not jumping into the activity and engaging in the breakout rooms, take a step back and check, did you really give the instructions as clearly and directly as you could have? Maybe they just need some adjustments. So for example, I've had some teachers who have some difficulty with asking CCQs, concept checking questions, because they they don't realize that they're not really phrasing the question as a direct question. And so it kind of goes over students' heads with the language barrier. Um, so they'll say something like, um, let me think of an example. I should have written one down. Um, they'll say something like, so if I make a reservation at a restaurant, um, that means that I have a place reserved for me. Or, or do I have to um, get a table when I first get there? And so because the wording is, is not super clear, the students aren't really sure, oh, okay, wait, is she asking me a question? Am I supposed to answer? Is she explaining something? Did I miss something? So it was a CCQ, an effective CCQ, but it wasn't delivered very effectively for the word reservation. Instead, phrase your question so that it's super direct. Make sure it's clear from your intonation, uh, from your face, from your mannerisms, that you are asking a question and you expect an answer. And if it's a choice between two things, use your language and emphasis and intonation to really highlight that. So for example, if I go to a restaurant and I have a reservation, does that mean that a place was saved for me? Or does that mean I have to get a table in the moment? Right, or something like that. You could, I'm sure, think of a better one when it's not off the top of your head. But that's an example of how my voice should sound, how the language should sound. So it's very clear to the students that I'm asking a question and there's this either or choice, pick one. If you start adjusting your language like that, you'll see much better results in terms of the students engaging with you, answering your CCQs. Um, in my experience, almost all of the time, the students want you to feel comfortable too, right? Like they want to please you. They want to do what you want them to do. You just have to make sure that they know what that is, right? With the language barrier, like because English is not our student's first language, sometimes they're just going to miss stuff. They're working hard to understand you all the time. So you need to make it as easy for them as possible. 
when it comes to things like giving instructions, asking, checking questions, things like that. Uh, finally, quick note for, for things like instructions or setting up more complicated tasks. As much as you can make it visual or concrete, the clearer it's going to be. So if you're, for example, sending the students to a Google Doc or sending the students to another activity, um, can you somehow show them where they're going to go, what they're going to see, what they need to do by sharing your screen, by taking a screenshot and putting it on your PowerPoint slide so that they can actually be looking at what they're going to be doing as you're giving the instructions? Um, or as I said, if there's something that's going to happen with the communicative goal, like they're going to have to present it to the class or they're going to have to make a list, can you somehow show where they need to create or produce the outcome of that task? Like having the Google Doc with the list that students actually have to fill out that's already numbered. Um, or having somewhere where the students are going to write down their answers or their decisions or something that they can show to the class. The more you have something concrete that the students actually have to produce, the more likely it is that they'll be really engaged um, and making that happen, actually completing that concrete result, right? All right, so those are just a few common problems that have come up, sort of troubleshooting issues in online classes and some suggestions for how to deal with them. Hopefully you found this helpful. I think there's probably enough material here for a couple more episodes on common issues um, that come up when teaching online. If you have something that's come up for you that you would like some advice on in your online lessons, definitely leave a comment on this episode, or you can send me an email at info at and let me know what your question is, and I can give you some advice on a future episode. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Thanks again for joining me. Feel free to leave a comment on this episode or reach out to me directly at info at and let me know what you want to hear in upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and take a few seconds to leave a quick review. It helps so much in getting the word out there. And of course, if you know other teachers or travelers, I'd love for you to share this with them too. Stay tuned for the next episode, and until then, head to tefelhorizons.com for more resources and teaching tips. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons. <laughs>